today is the holiest day, the holiest day on the Christian calendar. In fact, this whole weekend is the holiest weekend. This past week has been Holy Week. And what I mean by that is that Christians all over the world, all across this world, are setting apart this time to focus on why we do what we do, why we gather like this, why we sing and praise the Lord, why we do that. It's because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Our God is alive. He is alive. He rose from the grave. I love that song. Wasn't that awesome? Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. So powerful. That's so powerful. Christ's resurrection is the reason why we do what we do. Why we gather like this to learn from the scriptures. Why we pray and why we listen in prayer. Why we do what we do. Because Jesus rose from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of God. He has victory over death. He conquered sin. He stands in victory. And now we can join in. He sets us free so that we can join him in his victory. That is awesome. Good news. Very good news. I'm excited to share with you this morning. I'm so excited to be sharing with you this morning. I've been on a journey. Many of you know that for Lent, I gave up coffee. Okay. If you know me, that is a mile, that's a monumental thing that happened in my life, okay? It seems little, but I'm telling you right now. I, I drank a couple cups of coffee, by the way, the last couple days, and I don't know. I'm kind of thinking maybe I'll go off coffee totally. Not that coffee's bad. I'm not saying coffee's bad. But listen, I know coffee, oh, the taste. But you know, I just, I, I, I realized something that... I, 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 I was spending so, you know, do you ever realize when you rely on something so much, once you don't have it, you realize, whoa, right? I mean, maybe some of us experience that every day when we lose our cell phone. Oh my, it's like, it's like your limbs missing. Oh my goodness, where, where did it go, where did it go, right? Well, this past season, this Lenten season, as I, you know, didn't have coffee, I mean, it was such a little thing, but it affected quite a a huge part of my life, um, I was able to rest more. I was able to sleep better, which is <laughs> incredible. I didn't realize that I was not getting proper see- sleep until I didn't have coffee. And I would wake up earlier and in those moments was able to spend time with the Lord. And let me tell you something. When you, when you create space for God, that's where miracles happen, where miracles take place inside your heart, inside your spirit. And you connect with the King of Kings, and he speaks to you. And, and I, I just, it's been a, a great journey this past 40 days uh, for me because, you know, for a season, I had a tough time with my perspective in life. Um, and, you know, I think many of us, we go through seasons like that where our perspective in life, you know, for whatever reason, whatever circumstances might be surrounding you, for whatever reason, your perspective in life generally is maybe, maybe gloomy, maybe unpromising, you know. You begin to see the things that are happening around you in a, in, in a bit of a negative light. You, and, and the circumstances that you get caught in, they, the effect of it multiplies on your thoughts and your emotions. And 
you feel weighed down, discouraged, and dismayed. Sometimes you might feel hopeless and even, you know, you lose your strength. And, and sometimes you begin to see other people from this downed perspective. And, and maybe it even affects the way you see God and your relationship with God. And, and there were times when I went through this type of season and I would ask the Lord in prayer, God, change the season. Change the circumstances that I'm going through. Take this away from me. Change this circumstance. Give, this, give me this thing that I need. And maybe you are in a season like that right now. And you're looking at God and you're saying, I need you to change things, God. I need you to make certain things happen. I need you to take certain things away and yet nothing happens. And what God might be saying to you is, instead of changing your circumstance, I want to change your perspective. Instead of changing the circumstance, I want to change your perspective. What God might be saying to you is, pray less about something happening around you and more about something happening in you. Pray less about an event and more about perspective. Perspective. And that is what I want to preach about today. God's been changing my life. Church has been awesome. He's been changing my perspective. And so the title of my message today on Resurrection Sunday 2017 is A Resurrected Perspective. God, we just come before you this day. It's a beautiful day. This is the day that you have made. God, we are going to rejoice. We are going to be glad in it because you rose from the grave. You are alive. No one else can say that. We serve a God who is living. You are alive. We thank you. We thank you so much. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, mine included, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would give us a resurrected perspective for life, that you would begin to open our eyes, open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to look at a passage this morning from the New Testament. It's not a typical Easter passage, but it certainly talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 3 to 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. This is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, everyone say mercy. mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in this passage, the writer is trying to get the people to have the right perspective about the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, we talked about this a bit 
last week on Palm Sunday, how the people, and actually John this morning talked about it uh, in our breakfast downstairs, how the people, they were expecting a militant king, but they didn't see that in Jesus. They didn't have necessarily the right perspective. But this passage is about having the right perspective about the death and resurrection of Jesus, what it means for us today. I mean, it's so positive, this passage about the resurrection. It's so powerful, so profound, so hope-filled. Yet, you know what the interesting thing is? When we read about Peter, for instance, or the disciples in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see a totally different story. When they hear about the resurrection in the Gospels, it's a totally different perspective. They didn't have that perspective in the Gospels. But something changed. What happened? For instance, look at this. In John chapter 2, verses 18 to 22, it says this. So the Jews said to him, to Jesus, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the, the Jews then said, what? It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to what? Build it up in three days? Raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. You see, before the resurrection took place, the disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about. I mean, he told them about the resurrection. He told them that he was going to die and that he would be raised again. But they didn't get it. They didn't have the right perspective. Now, we could look at this passage and be like, well, Jesus was speaking in parables. Man, he was talking about a temple. I mean, it was kind of cryptic language. It's understandable that the disciples didn't quite get it. But you know what? Jesus also told his disciples plainly about what would happen. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it says this, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So Jesus told his disciples very plainly what was about to take place, but they didn't get it. In fact, Peter He had the totally different perspective about that. And in the next verse, Peter says this to Jesus. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. What a guy. He rebukes Jesus. Wow, Peter, you're bold, man. He's like, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Right? Peter had the wrong perspective. Peter had the wrong perspective. In fact, it was so wrong that in the next verse, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Wow. He called Peter Satan. Yikes. He's like, you're a hindrance to me. For you you do not have the things of God in mind, but the things of man. Peter had the wrong perspective. Have you ever had the wrong perspective about something? About a certain situation about certain people. Perhaps you've experienced something difficult in your life in the past, a difficult trauma or tragedy in the past. 
And now, when you face a situation that kind of reminds you of that past experience, it affects your perspective, right? It affects your perspective. Maybe somebody sinned against you, did something wrong to you, and, and I'm not excusing anything that they, sh- you know, it's, it's, it's terrible that what may have happened to you, but perhaps someone sinned against you and then in the past and, and you meet somebody and they kind of look like that person or they kind of sound like that person or they kinda, their mannerisms, they remind you of that person. What happens? It affects your perspective. It does. It affects your perspective. Maybe somebody has spoken into your life some negative words telling you that you're not worthy, telling you that you're not good enough, telling you you're to this or to that, gave you a third word that really wasn't for you. You are third word. That third word may have been something negative, and now that's colored your vision. It's like labels that were placed over your eyes, and now everything you see comes out of the filter of those labels, and it clouds your perspective. Has that ever happened to you? Elementary school for me was a very tough time in life. Very tough. Kindergarten to grade five was extremely difficult for me. At the time, I didn't really know it because as a kid, I mean, I just, I just stuffed everything down. But I was bullied pretty severely. Now, when I look back now, it was actually very bad, uh, very bad time. Um, I remember coming home with stomach aches, not wanting to go to school and being afraid of what, what's next. What, what are they going to say next? What are they going to do next? You know, there were time. Anyway, I could go on and on about that, but I had a very difficult time. Um, in, in school. Now, one thing I appreciate, I really do appreciate about our, our school system now is how they talk about it more. They talk about bullying more. And, um, I mean, it doesn't eradicate bullying. I mean, bullying has taken on a whole new form now. It's evolved with cyberbullying and so on. I mean, we didn't have that. I didn't have that growing up. But um, I, they're, they're talking about it more, so I really do appreciate that. But if you've ever been a victim of bullying, I mean you would understand how devastating it is to your sense of worth and identity. It destroys it. It destroys your self-esteem, who you are, and you look at yourself, and you're like, why am I like this? You know, it destroys your sense of identity. And for me, I was bullied because of my race. I mean, I went to school in Mississauga where I was, like, literally one of three Asians in the school whole school, K to grade five. Um, There were a couple of other black students, maybe three or four, and then everyone else was white. And so I stuck out. And in my class, that's what I was picked on every day because of that. And I remember thinking, why was I born not normal? That's That's how I thought about my life. And, you know, I've mentioned this before at Trinity, and um, I know I bring it up a lot. But uh, part of the reason why I bring it up is because I just want to give a message of hope for those who have been victims of bullying or those who know of people that there is hope. There is healing. There is restoration. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Totally changed my life. He's healed me. He's healing me even now today. It's amazing. But it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. Um, Before I knew Jesus, I was a mess. 
I had major self-esteem issues, major. And I didn't deal with those issues properly. I mean, I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to deal with those issues. And so those issues compounded because I stuffed the pain. And I didn't even know it was pain at the time, but I stuffed it down, stuffed it down. And then in high school, when things got a little more confusing and difficult in terms of your sense of self-identity and so on, um, when, when pain would come up, I would stuff it down with, with the use of drugs. And that's where I got into that world. And, I, and I'm beginning to realize that what I was doing was, when I would, you know, take drugs, I would suspend the pain. It's like putting a pause, hitting pause button on the pain. And again, I didn't totally realize that I was doing that, but I was doing that. And it became a big problem. And I was not dealing with my issues properly. I was just stuffing it down even more. And those painful memories and emotions, they turned into explosive anger later on. And when I came into university, I mean, it didn't help that I had a black belt, a first-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Now I was an angry killing machine. And so it turned bad. It turned bad. Um, I've done things that I regret today, hurting people. Um, and that anger, though, it turned into racism towards white people. Like, I, I, was, I was, my vision, my perspective was affected by my past. And I had tremendous hatred in my heart. But then something happened. Jesus invaded. He invaded my life. He totally set me free. His spirit inside me changed me from the inside out and a miracle took place and is continuing to take place in my heart. I'm being filled with love. God has turned things completely around. I have a totally different perspective of all people, not just white people, all people. I mean, so much so that today, most of my friends aren't Asian. And I mean, the obvious thing, I married Ali. I married a German-British woman. I mean, I never thought that would happen. But it did. That's a testimony, really, to the healing work of Jesus Christ in my heart, that the hatred was taken away, that the negative perspective, the blinders were ripped off of my eyes so that I could see with a new perspective. God changed my life. And and it's like this. I love these. I wear these for slow pitch, which, by the way, Trinity Twins, our season's coming up, right? Oh, check out these bad boys, okay? When it's a cloudy day and we're playing ball, I put these on and it's a sunny day. Really, it, it looks like there's sunshine inside here right now. Oh, wow, it's so bright. Oh, it's a big difference, right? God, it's like God put these glasses on my eyes, gave me a new perspective. And this is precisely what happened to Peter and the disciples. Because when they first heard Jesus talk about the resurrection, they were like, no, that can't happen. No way. That can't happen, Jesus. But then something happened. What was that that happened? Luke chapter 24, 36. They experienced the risen Jesus. As they were walking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. 
But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see me. I love that. I just want to pause it for a second. I love that. They had doubts in their hearts about Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? He comes and he encounters them. They encounter Jesus. They experience his presence. And that changes them. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Jesus is hungry. It's a lot of work to, be, to rise from the dead. You know, it's hard work to resurrect right? Hard work. And he comes to the disciples and he's like, hey guys, let's eat some deep fried fish, you know? I just love that. I love that, you know? Huge moment here. This is such a huge moment. The disciples just experienced the worst execution they have ever seen. I mean, have you watched the Passion movie? I have such a hard time watching that. And we're just watching it on a screen. Could you imagine Peter, James, John, the disciples seeing that? They saw Jesus die. They saw him being placed in a tomb. They experienced the worst form of execution the world has ever known. And now Jesus is here, their rabbi, their leader, he's here. Could you imagine the look on their face? (gasps) What's going on? Peter, Peter, pinch me, bro. Pinch me, man. Is this happening? Is this this happening? And Jesus is like, let's eat some fried fish. (laughs) It's a sacred moment. You know, that's why I love to have meals with people. A shared meal is a sacred moment. You see, here in the West, we may not always see it that way. We have so much food, so much abundance of food that we have fast food. Right? We have fast food. We eat on the go. Eating is something we need to get out of the way sometimes. In most of the world, that's crazy. When you eat, it represents life. We're living together. Most of the world sees it that way. You know, in Korea, there's a greeting. We greet each other. It's, have you eaten? Kind of like saying, hey, what's up? You good? Where are my youth? They taught me some good youth lingo. Are you Gucci? You Gucci? You know? That's funny, eh? Anyway. Are you, are you doing okay? In Korean, they say, have you eaten? Because sharing a meal together is sacred. It's sacred. And so this is a really sacred moment that the disciples are having with Jesus. And in verse 50, it says this, 
and he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Jesus put a blessing over his disciples, and that blessing did something. It changed their perspective, completely changed their perspective about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So much so that they spread the word all across the known world about this risen king of kings. And it's been a viral message ever since. And it still continues today that my God is alive, that Jesus is alive, that this resurrected king is resurrecting me. That message still is preached and proclaimed and heralded today. The resurrection gives us new perspective. Going back to 1 Peter, there's a couple ways in which the people's perspective is changed by the resurrection. Number one, their perspective about God has changed. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great Mercy. God is a God of great mercy. Isn't that so true? We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God is a God of mercy. See, a lot of people might think that God is a God of judgment, that he is a God of judgment. Judgment is something he does. It's not who he is. Judgment is something God does as a result of what humanity is. But isn't who God is. God's character is mercy. He shows it by the very fact that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us so that his judgment would fall on him and not us. That's mercy. God is a God of great mercy. In fact, you see the merciful nature of God in Jesus, in the way he treated people. The woman caught in adultery, great mercy, the way he dealt with her. People were ready to throw stones at her. Jesus showed great mercy. The way he sat with tax collectors and sinners, people who you wouldn't necessarily see a religious person sitting with. Jesus portrayed the mercy of God. He is the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of God. So if you see Jesus as being merciful, that means God is merciful. God is the God of great mercy. He made a way for you and me to receive redemption, the forgiveness of sins, he made a way for you and me to be set free from our bondage. He has made a way for you and me to be healed, restored, renewed. Now the verse goes on to say that he's caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus. We're made new in Jesus because God is a merciful God. Now next, the resurrection of Jesus gives us a new perspective for our lives. Gives us a new perspective about our lives. In verse 4, it says that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Church, we have an inheritance coming. We all do. And it says, my God will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We have a great inheritance coming. We all do. And this inheritance is imperishable. Everything on earth has a shelf life. Everything. What we are about to receive never ends, never dies. It's forever. It is undefiled, perfect in every way. It is unfading. Even our nicest shoes fade. Our jeans fade. That's a style these days anyways, but anyway. (laughs) Things fade on earth, but what we are about to see never changes. We have a hopeful future to look forward to. The Christian is someone who has the hope of this inheritance always in our focus. But you know what? The miracle of this hopeful future isn't just for the future. It isn't just for later, someday, after we die. The miracle of this inheritance is something that we can experience and receive today, right now. We can receive the benefits of this inheritance right now. And the benefit is the resurrected perspective. God gives us a new perspective. I should keep those on. It looks sunny in here. Give me a new perspective. Here's the thing. How do we receive that? How do we get that resurrected perspective? Church, the resurrected perspective, it is activated by trials. It is initiated through tribulations and hard times. That's when it manifests brightly through trials. Going back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, it says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessarily, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, the writer of 1 Peter was writing to a persecuted church. To a church that was experiencing trials. Much like the Christians in Egypt, who this past Sunday, on Palm Sunday, experienced trials. It's horrible what happened there. But what Peter was saying about these trials is this. He said, he said this, it's a test of the genuineness of the faith. The trials are a test. They're a way to purify faith. The way gold is purified in fire to burn off the impurities. Trials make way for the resurrected perspective to break through in our lives from all the other things that have colored our perspective. 
trials burns those away so that the resurrected perspective shines through, resulting in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, that's an interesting statement, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It means a couple things. Number one, it, could, it means that it's in the future when Christ returns, where every eye will see, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's talking about when Christ returns. But not just that time. It's also talking about right now. Because Christ is revealed in us when we live out of the resurrected perspective, church. I might be facing a trial right now, but my lips will continue to praise God. Whatever I am facing right now, I will not be shaken. I will praise my God and King. That perspective, Jesus shines through when we live out our lives like that. I might be in a season of hardship right now, but my God is faithful to see me through. And I know there is a light at the end of my tunnel. When we have faith like that, because of our resurrected perspective, what happens? Christ is exalted through my life. Christ is revealed through my life because I have the resurrected perspective. I might be experiencing pain in my life right now, but my Savior, He also experienced pain and suffering in this life to the point of death, even death on a cross. But He's now risen. He rose from the grave. Up from the grave He arose. He stands in victory, seated at the right hand of God. He is the King of kings. His pain had a purpose. My pain has a purpose. To join in with my Savior's pain, knowing that He understands everything that I am going through right now. And knowing through that experience that resurrection is on the way. Freedom is coming. Restoration is near. When we live with that perspective, Christ is honored in our lives. Christ is revealed through our lives. People will say, what's with that person? How could they go through that and be filled with joy still? Because I have a resurrected perspective. That's why. I'm going to ask the communion ushers to come forward at this time. We're going to partake in communion together. It's going to be a little bit different this morning. We are going to be taking risen bread, and I'll talk a little bit about that after. But just as we get prepared for communion this morning, I just want to say a few words about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be someone who has a resurrected perspective. A Christian is someone who can say, or someone who, among the rest of the bunch in this world, can face whatever this world can throw at them and say, praise be to God. No matter what happens, praise God. I am filled with joy because He lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. That's a unique breed of human. Let me tell you that. It's because we have a resurrected perspective. The Christian is someone who can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I fear no evil because God is with me. He lives inside me. The Christian is someone who can say, my Redeemer lives. He gives me new life. He gives me new sight. He gives me everything I need. And the Christian is someone who can say, even if my whole world crumbles around me, my God is my rock. He will deliver me. That's the resurrected perspective. That's the resurrected perspective. That is our inheritance as followers of Jesus. That is what Christ gives us on this day, Resurrection Sunday, a new perspective for our lives.